So this morning, let's take a look at the model Christian. If you have your Bibles and you want to read along, you turn to Matthew, the 16th chapter. We're going to read the 13 through probably 18, may finish that up. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district in Philippi, or Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Some others, Elijah, and others of you, of them call you Jeremiah or, or, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Father, this morning as we come to you, we, we are so thankful that God sent his son down to the earth. Father, that he in the garden prayed that if the cup should pass for him, if it's your will, be done. But if not, he would take that cup, Father, and, and, and drink it freely. Father, to prepare and provide a way for us in our hearts and our lives. Father, this morning we just ask that nothing that we say glorifies ourselves, but everything glorifies you, Lord. And Father, that you are the reason we are here today. And Father, without that love and that grace and that mercy, we have nothing in this world. Father, we know what, where our lives have been. But Father, we know where they're going. And we thank you so much for that grace. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, look at Peter. Here in the 16th chapter of Matthew, in the 18th verse, he says, You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, how would you feel today if Christ was standing right here and pointed a finger at you and said, you're going to be the one I build my church on. Is your life where it can be a foundation for Christ's love to establish his, his church? You know, we see Peter, and, and we think about all the things, and, and, and we, we see here in the 16th chapter where God said, I'm going to use you. Well, let's take a look at what he was using. If you go back in your Bibles just a little bit, back to the fourth chapter in the 18th through 20th verse, it's where Peter and his brother were called by Christ to be his disciples. Now, I, fishermen in that time period had a reputation. They were rough, 
They were foul-mouthed. They were the toughest. You didn't want to mess with them type person in the world. Because why? Because they would literally float over to a boat that was fishing in their area, go in that other boat, and they would fight, throwing people off, trying to get them tangled up in nets so they would drown so they could fish in the best spots. This is the man that Christ said, I'm going to build my church on. Peter was with him in the garden when when Christ went up to pray. And as Christ was praying and praying, and Peter said, I'm going to stay with you forever. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to. And when Christ come down from the first prayer, Peter was asleep. Peter just laid down on the rock. He's up there, he's got it. I got you. It's okay. No, I'm just going to go to bed. Christ went back up and he come back down and Peter's asleep again. According to theologians, you got to figure out how many times he went up and came back down. But every time he came, Peter and the other ones were asleep. They couldn't even stay up long enough for him to go up and have prayer and come back down. But Christ said, this is whom I'm going to build my church on. This is the rock. You know, I, I've been, there's a guy on the radio down in, in Arkansas, and I was listening the other day, and he, he made this comment about it. In Matthew's gospel, when they come to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas comes up and kisses Christ on the cheek, and the soldiers take hold of him, Matthew says one of the disciples pulled out his sword and cut off his ear. Now, Matthew said, one of the disciples. But now you go over to John's gospel, and John says, he did it. Peter pulled out his sword and cut off his ear. John had no problem throwing Peter under the bus. A lot of us today don't have a problem throwing our Christian brothers and sisters under the bus either. But Peter did take out his sword and cut off his ear. And Christ said, this is whom I'm going to build my church on. Now, Peter had a little anger management issue. I can relate. I really can. I can get road rage in Walmart. I get that card, and I'm go, I've got where I'm going, what I want, and what I need in mind. And if you get in the middle of the aisle where you can't get by on either side, and there's two of you standing there talking because you hadn't seen that person since the last aisle they were on, and you can't get around either side, and then they look at you like you're bothering them, asking them to move. So, yes, I get road rage in Walmart. This morning on the way over, I'm thinking, okay, I got time, and actually we were running a little behind, and I'm going through there, and I'm just, and I look up, and I'm 70 something miles an hour, and I look up, and the, right under the license plate, it says Kansas State Trooper. So I had to slow down. 
what are they doing out on Sunday morning? Do they not know I am in my most unholy hour of the day? And he's driving 75. It's 65. And every time I get up just a little bit, he slows down. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's wanting me to do something. And yes, I get road rage in the grocery store very easily. And I will tell you this. There's two special places God made in hell. One is for the inventor of Kool-Aid. Because God may have saved your soul, but he didn't give everybody the secret recipe to make Kool-Aid with. And all the vacation Bible schools I went to as a child, some of those women ought to be ashamed. So I don't like Kool-Aid. And the other special place is for the feller that thought shrinking that cart down in the grocery store for a little kid to push and putting a flag on top of it so his mama can watch him as he's running into the back of my leg. Peter would have been the one that turned around and picked the card up, turned it upside down, and said, there you go. Peter would have been like the gentleman the other day, and a friend of mine actually told me this, and he said he actually witnessed this, and this little boy was just screaming and screaming at his mama. And, and well, if I screamed at my mama, I wouldn't be posting anything on Facebook today. My mama would have taken care of me right then, right there. And he said that this little boy was screaming, I want, I want a pie, I want a pie. I want a, apparently they had these little fried pies at the register. And, I mean, he's just screaming and just being obnoxious. And he said the guy at the cash register, when he got rung up, the lady says, is there anything else? He said, yeah, I want every one of them pies. And the little boy said, but I want one. He said, tough. And walked out the door with them. I don't know where the pies went. But that would have been Peter. Peter would have looked at that little boy and went, I got them. They're mine. That was the person that Christ said, I'm going to build my church on. Peter's first sermon. Well, Peter told Christ, I'll never leave you. When they were coming after him and he'd cut the guy's ear off and Christ put his hand up and he healed the ear and Peter was screaming, I'll not, I'll know, I will always be there for you. And Christ said before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. And three times Peter said, I don't know who, no, you've got the wrong feller. That ain't me. No, I wasn't with him over there. Uh-uh, I, I, it wasn't me on the mountain picking up all the extra fish and, and bread. It, no, it wasn't me that, that when I looked up and he was walking out across the water, and I said, I want to do that. And I took a step or two out, and then I looked around at the rest of the world, and I fell in, and he put, no, that wasn't me. No. Three times he denied that that was Christ, his friend, his Lord, his Savior. And yet Christ said, this is whom I'm going to build my church on. After the burial, Peter and the other disciples were out. 
Peter's first sermon he ever preached. He preached four words and got ten converts. Do you know how great it would be in every church in America if you could say four words and get ten people saved every time, or ten people to go with you? You know what Peter preached, first sermon he ever preached? I go a-fishing. Ten others got up and went with him. That's all he preached. That's all he said. And when Christ come walking down the bank, and there the boat was out there, and they were going to... You know where Peter was? The man that God said, I'm going to build my church on. Do you know where Peter was? Sitting in the captain's chair naked and drunk. And when Christ called out to him, he was so ashamed, he tried to wrap, wrap his clothes around him and just jumped off the boat. And Christ said, I've already seen you. Come on over here. This is the man that God's son said, I'm going to build my church on. How could a person like that be the one that Christ was going to use to build his church? How could that person be that one? You know, we look at each other today and and men, I'm going to pick on us, on us this morning. When somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? Generally, the first time they meet you. And then they're wanting to set the pecking level. They want to set the order. Women will look up and say, how many children do you have? And, 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 and are, are, they, are they gifted? Are they cute? Are they pretty? Do they do a lot of things? Men, are, what do you do for a living? And they want to judge, and we want to find out on the pay scale, where am I at with them? Is is mine above them, or or is it below them? I've got a nephew in Alabama, and bless his heart, he's as good as gold, but he takes after his mama. He's not real bright. And uh, when he was a young feller, he wanted a job as the garbage man. That was the job he wanted. Nothing wrong with that job. Thank God somebody comes and gets that. But the reason he wanted that job was because they only work one day a week. And we're like, huh? And he, they come down to the house on Thursday, take the garbage away. I like that job. And it really crushed him and broke his heart when he found out that the guy had to go on the other street on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But men, we want to know we're men. We want to know where we stand. You know why we want to know that? Because a lot of times, and 99.9% of the time, we're afraid that we're not as good as somebody else. Or we're afraid somebody's just a little bit better than us. That's the way Peter was. 
Peter was captain of his own boat. His daddy had, had raised him up and had raised him right. Peter and his brothers, they were out there fishing, and they were following Peter's lead. The rest of the fishermen knew, don't mess with Peter. I could see Peter going out in the middle of the night and cutting nets, holes in the bottom of the net, so when they pulled it up, it would just fall out. I mean, this was the kind of person Peter was. Peter had to overcome things. With Christ in our hearts and in our lives, we can overcome fears. And that's all it is. Is there are fears about everything. When Peter stepped out to walk on the water that day, he knew, being a fisherman, he knew what that meant. He knew those waves were rough. He could swim, but he knew going out, the rough, as rough as those waves were, they would overtake him and overpower him and they would drown him. How many in our today in our hearts and our lives, when, when God says, go tell that person about your salvation, we freeze stiff. We're afraid to take that first step and go out. We're afraid to go and tell somebody that God loves them and God cares for them. You know, we're afraid we're going to drown. We're going to get out there and we're going to stumble and we're going to fall. You know what? Every time we stumble and fall, God's right there to pick us back up. Dojo used to work with Celebrate Recovery in Alabama, and, and I have listened to testimonies of people, men and women. And they would come in and they would stand up and they would give their testimony about what God had done to them and for them and what he was still doing with them. And some of them didn't use church words. Some of them didn't know that it's not okay to say certain things in church and public. But it was the only way they knew. And you know what? God loved them because they were open and honest. I'll never forget watching a, a video one time. It was the Gaithers' homecoming video, and Mark Lowry was sitting there talking, and, and, and Mark looked up and says, Do you know why God fills up broken pots? Because we leak. And when God pours it in us, we got no better sense than to leak all over everybody around us. So see, Jesus overcomes fears that keep us from doing what we need to do. And that's what he done for Peter. He overcome a fear that Peter had. And he said, I'm going to build my church on this rock. And you say, well, you know, look, after Peter said, your Christ. After that, he cut off the guy's ear. He denied him. He hid. He got drunk, naked on a boat fishing. All of that 
after Christ said, this is where I'm going to build my church. See, Jesus forgives unfaithfulness. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody else to raise their hand. I'm not going to ask anybody to admit anything. But I can tell you, since that Thursday night that I walked down that aisle and took my father by the hand and said, I've been saved. There's been days I've been unfaithful. There have been days when they would have looked and said, that ain't a fan of nothing. But my Lord and my Savior Christ forgives unfaithfulness. And He will today. He still does. How can He build His church? How can He build His church on Peter? Because He forgives unfaithfulness. He washes it away. The Bible says that it is as far as the east is from the west. I've heard it said that Satan knows us by our name, but he'll call us by our sin. And that God knows us by our sin, but he'll call us by our name. Another thing that Jesus did with Peter, even the night in the garden when he cut off the guy's ear, Christ patiently teaches us every day. Patiently teaches us every day. You know, it, it, I, I've worked in poultry processing plants for a long time, and I, I've seen a lot of things. And, you know, I, I don't want to make anybody sick or anything, but I've literally caught people in my arms as a forklift was running the leg. I have literally picked up body parts, and I have carried them to the nurse's station to get them on ice so we could get them to the hospital to get it reattached. And I want to tell you something. Even after all the years I've done that, I'm in a frantic panic to get that there. Peter cut off the guy's ear and Christ just went, oh, Peter, why did you do that? And I mean, just his patient, teaching him another lesson. And not only Peter, but the guards that come to get him. You know, you may be after me, and you may be wanting to kill me, and you might, but I still love you. I'm going I'm to heal your ear so you can hear that I still love you. See, Christ will patiently teach us if we'll just allow him in. Believe it or not, knowing that I have road rage in Walmart, I'm not a patient person either. I want it. I want it now. You know, I'm now, and I'm not the kind that you know. If it's on TV right now, it's new. The commercials fart. I'm not getting up and driving to town to get it. But the next time I'm in town, I'm going to go look for it. And when I when I ask somebody, you know, and and I'll be the first to admit, I was the roughest on my children of any of the coaches they ever had because I knew what they could do. 
I knew what they were capable of. Because you see, Christ sees us not as we are, but as he intends us to be. You know, I, I, I have prepared for services and, I, and I've, I've had some, you know, just felt led to go tell somebody my story. And I'll be like, Lord, you, you know what I am? And, and I, can, I can sense it in my spirit. Yeah, but I know what you can be. A lot of times we as Christians, we are our worst critics. You know, I tell you what, the most honest person in my house is when I look in the mirror. Because when I look in that mirror, I've got to know what I've done. I know. I know when I've yelled at Katie because we're 10 minutes late leaving on Sunday morning to get to church. I know when I've yelled at my daughter for missing a a routine ground ball. And I know I've yelled at Brandon, would you please quit playing that so the rest of us can go to sleep? You see, I saw and I know what they can be. Christ is doing that with us too. Christ is looking at us today going, you know, that person right there, they could be the best Sunday school teacher for five and six and seven year olds that ever was. Or they'll look over here at this person and they'll go, that person right there could take the 14 through 17 year old boys group and make them something. And God may look out and say, you know, this person for years worked with with the the older classes classes and they they taught the older Sunday school and now they could take that knowledge and share it with the 9 and 10 and 11 year olds and let them grow into their knowledge that they have and we're looking at them like "Mm -mm. no my wife will volunteer us for things such as the nursery I don't deal with terrorists. Those little fillers, I mean, I can't do it. I cannot do it. They break. I love working with teenagers. They bounce. You can throw them off a wall and they'll get up laughing and come back and want to do it again. One time my wife had volunteered us for this size, I don't know what age, but this size, and from here to, to here, and one Sunday morning, and there was a large group of those, so we had two different classrooms, and, and one Sunday morning, the door opens, and I don't mean it politely eased open, and they looked around a minute, I mean the door opens up, and it is the director of the Sunday school department. And she has this young child by the hand who his hand is white because she has it, a grip on him. And I happen to be sitting just a few inches away from the door. Thank God I wasn't an inch further to the right. It would have hurt. 
And she hands me this child and says, he needs you. And shut the door and left. And I thought, am I that bad a person? What did I do to deserve to get this little boy? A few weeks later, we had a youth gathering and and they did this. I don't know why. They did this thing where it's, you know, date night. Let the mom and daddies go out on a date. And they got this wild hair that we could babysit them and they'd pay money. But that money didn't go to us. It went to help out the kids. And I was in I thought, okay, I'm going to get over here and I'm going to do something that ain't going to involve those children. I'll pour the drinks. I'll get the cupcakes ready. I'll get everything set out. And the next thing I know, our youth, our children's minister, walks up and hands me the same child and says, here. I went, no, I'm doing drinks. She said, he wants to help. But God knows what we can be. Now, long story short, the little fella's still alive and that he hadn't died. Partially because we may have not been there much longer, but he's still alive. There's people in our lives that are that way. We see people that we know what their potential is. But getting them to that point. And you know what's amazing? It's always what we see best for them. 